Welcome back to another edition of Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn, the hump day edition of Ball Don't Lie, but also a frigid and cold edition of Ball Don't Lie. I hope you are not on the road. I hope you are joining us uh, from a safe and friendly confines, either your crib, somebody else's crib somewhere, hanging out uh, on the Horn app or enjoying us streaming some other kind of way. Hopefully you're not on the roads, but if you're on the roads, please be safe out there. I was just on those very roads, and uh, it's crazy, all right? It's wild out there. There's a lot of falling debris. I'm driving around uh, lens trees that are falling down. Uh, there's wrecks on the road, so please be careful if you're out there. In the meantime, we got a lot to get into. Let me give you a little bit of the rundown, of course. All right, first of all, we'll talk about reported tension between former offensive coordinator of the Cowboys, Kellen Moore, and Mike McCarthy. We'll get into that report also. We'll talk about the Texans. Now with a new head coach, D'Amico Ryans, they're interviewing OC candidates already. I like that he's already getting down to business. We'll also talk about bad news for a lifetime Longhorn who is beloved by all lifetime Longhorns out there. Rojo gets some bad news. He was playing in the Senior Bowl. We'll talk about that. Today, actually, National Signing Day. We'll get into that a little bit, but not much breaking news there. And if there is, we'll let you know. More reflection on the Big 12 schedule being released and also... All of the breaking news from yesterday, we'll talk about Sean Payton becoming a member of the uh, Denver Broncos, being the head coach there. Also, the biggest news uh, that hit early this morning and rocked the sports world, Tom Brady making it official. He is hanging it up. He is retiring. I know, same time last year, he said the same thing. But this time, it is official, official. Tom Brady is hanging it up. He is uh, retiring once and for all. The GOAT uh, is deciding to call it quits. We'll talk about that and more. Uh, before we do, let's introduce you to the crew. My man, Harge, he is at home, safe and sound. Uh, thankfully, that is the case. But he is not joining us because it's a long trip for him, and it was not worth him getting on the roads. But no fear. Because the idealionaire, the hardest working man in the ARN family, other than Craig Way. We'll just say that right there. I ain't going to disrespect Craig Way like that. Uh, but also, uh, he is uh, the real MVP. We don't know what he's paid, but he's underpaid. Patrick Davis. What's going on, brother? Oh, we made it in. We made it in. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm thankful for you. Making it in. Uh, making it in safe and sound. We're from the same hood. All right, Me and you in the same hood. So we can kind of take the same routes, avoid the overpasses, avoid all of the elevated roadways and highways. And we got a route that we can take. Uh, but those who don't have that type of route, please try to stay off the roadways, man. That's the best thing to do. But uh, we don't we, we don't have <laughs> we don't have electricity here. Uh, so the power's out here. The we got a generator. So the internet Internet's out, so Specs text line, it is down. I won't even give it to you. Specs text line is down. I am not sure. So the wireless is down, so I'm not sure if my Twitter is going to work, so don't even really worry about that either because I don't know if my social media is going to work because the wireless is down in the building. But we can bring you the program. That's what counts, all right, because uh, I don't know that uh, B&E always say uh, they're the show for the people. Uh, well, you know, show other people. We're the show for the people. All right, there you go. So we're still here to bring you. It feels like radio nowhere because we don't have the spec text line to uh, to really you know re- to to kind of uh, you know to, to participate and hang out and talk trash with. That's all right. We'll still get it going and we'll still uh, bring you the program best as we can. All right. Uh, first and foremost, I do want to uh, get into 
the Cowboys report. That's what we'll talk about, and then we'll branch off talking about the Cowboys and who they're going to interview and the possible candidates for their OC vacancy. We'll get into that. But there is a report from Albert Breer. Albert Breer is the one that threw out this report, um, and uh, he said that there is uh, there was tension between Mike McCarthy. Uh-oh, we just got the power back on, I think. Is that what's happening? Here? I think that's power. Is that power? I thought lights came back then on. I, I mean, I hey, saw hey, a light come on. And it goes back down. And it's back down. Uh, okay, guys. All, All right. right. We had so, it for a second. There, there you go. They're working on it. They're working on it. <laughs> All right. They're, hey, that's good, though. I'm, I'm cool with that. You know what I mean? That's hope. That's optimism. Uh, all right. So <laughs> the, the latest report. And by the way, people always get on me, papers, babers, for writing down all my notes. <laughs> the, for occasions just like this is why I write down everything. Still got all the notes that I need to, to talk about the show. Been doing it for years for occasions just like this. So I got you. All right. You still can get into all the different ports. I did the prep like I always do the prep by writing it down in my trusty notebook here. So I don't even need the Internet. We can go old school. Bucky Godbow style and do the damn show. Uh, all right. Let's get to the uh, the latest report, though, uh, because it comes from Albert Breer. So uh, Albert Breer's been making the rounds, and he actually was on uh, 105.3 The Fan most recently, too. Uh, and we'll, We won't get to that sound because we don't have ability to play that sound. All right. So once again, we had audio for you, but we don't have ability to play that audio. So we're just going to give it to you. I'm working on it, Rob. We're going to get you something a little bit. No, no. Maybe in a couple hours. Patrick is like freestyling stuff, trying to use his (laughs) phone to do it. And I was like, no, man, you need your battery for your phone. It's like essential to life right now. I mean, using your phone battery and stuff for, for this program. No, no, you need that right now. Just we'll give it to him old school style. All right. So the Albert Brewer Report. Because I can pull it up still. Um, the Atwood Brew Report is saying that they're, they, they weren't great, basically is what his words were, uh, that Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy weren't great at the end of his tenure there with the Dallas Cowboys. And I can understand that. And the reason I can understand that is because I talked about this yesterday. You go look at the influences on Kellen Moore. Right? Kellen Moore, and Kellen Moore is the coach's son. Influences on Kellen Moore since he became a you know, a high-level quarterback in at the college level and the, the NFL and then was on his way to becoming a quarterback coach and then an OC. He was initially influenced most by Chris Peterson and Brian Harson. Yeah, that Brian Harson, right? The offense with a show about nothing. And, and Brian Harson and Kellen Moore are famous for these two quotes. I remember both of them saying it, and that's how I know Kellen Moore was heavily influenced by Brian Harson. He would say, we don't have an offense, we just run plays. We don't. We don't have an offense. We just run plays, which they believed made it harder to game plan and scheme for their offense because they didn't have one. It was like Seinfeld. It was a show about nothing. <laughs> so it was harder to game plan for it because when you're game planning, you're trying to just essentially take away somebody's offensive identity and their claim to fame was they didn't really have an offense. Right there. They just ran plays. And they ran them really, really well and executed them really, really well. Whether that's true or not, that, that's, you know, that, that's a debate for another day. But you got Brian Harson and Chris Peterson, the biggest influences at the college level. And then when he got to the NFL, you had Jason Garrett, Scott Linehan. Those were his two offensive minds. Jason Garrett was the offensive coordinator then. Then he brought in Scott Linehan, and Scott Linehan became the OC at the time. And remember, right after Kellen Moore is done, I want to say the next year after he's done, he's the quarterback coach for the Cowboys. The next year after he's done, he's the quarterback coach. And then after that, 
a few years after that, he's the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys. And then, obviously, most recently, he was uh, they, they mutually agreed to part ways. Which, by the way, I, I said earlier this week when we talked about that report, that actually now makes more sense. And I said at the time, it, I know it's rare in a relationship to have a mutual breakup. Most of us have never, ever been a part of a mutual breakup. You may have think you were a part of one, but you weren't. They, they were breaking up with you and you just didn't know it. <laughs> Which is very smooth. It happens sometimes. You're like, I think they just broke up with me. I didn't even know it. All right, really smooth. Mutual breakups are kind of like breakup sex. They're more, mostly folklore and legend and mythology when it comes to relationships. That's like relationships. KD once told me, I worked with KD, Kevin Dunn. He said he did have breakup sex once. So he's just a smooth operator. Most of us cannot finagle breakup sex. I've never been able to do it. And I, you know, hey, I, I got the gift of gab. It's really tough. Uh, but also really tough to you know, let's kind of negotiate a mutual breakup. I do believe, based on this Albert Breer report, though, that now that lends more credibility to the theory that it was a mutual breakup. That both, basically both, both of those guys, Mike McCarthy and Kelly Moore, considered themselves to be play callers. And play callers, they want to call the plays. And they're going to be very critical, mostly critical of someone who's not calling the plays. That's how, that's how play callers are built. So I can believe that they had a lot of tension there and that Mike McCarthy, also the other influence. So it's five influences now on Kellen Moore at, at the elite levels of football in terms of his coaching criteria and his coaching resume, I, sh- I should say. It's Brian Harson, It's Chris Peterson, Scott Linehan, Jason Garrett, Mike McCarthy. Those five. And and considering the way it all went down for the Cowboys, I can totally understand why Kellen Moore decided, hey, man, it's in my best interest for me to try to go elsewhere. He does need to spread his wings a bit. He has been there's always someone trying to advise and trying to mm, tutor him about his offense and about his coaching style. This is the first time he's going to go at it on his own. You know, I mean, kind of kind of leaving the nest on his own. He's going to fly on his own with his own offense. And he's not going to have a Mike McCarthy. He's got a defensive coach he's he's coaching for now. Brandon Staley. Brandon Staley's not going to advise him much on the off the particulars, specifics of the offense. Mike McCarthy would. Jason Garrett would. Yeah. They're offensive guys. Well, and they would come in and and Mike McCarthy clearly went in and said, run the ball more, run the ball more. Everybody knows we got to run the ball more. And he didn't want to. Yeah. And, and even to the point where I would tell you specific plays, this is what I want. Yeah. And Brandon Staley may say, I want you to want the ball more, but he's not going to be as specific in his critique as a Mike McCarthy or a Jason Garrett. So what I'm saying is for Kellen Moore, it is truly him now going out on his own because he won't have an uh, one of those offensive mentors that he's had his entire playing career and then as a coach as well. He's had an offensive mentor. No mentor anymore. Done with the mentorship. Done. Now he's... He's the man. He's going to go on his own, and it's going to be his offense, not his offense influenced by Mike McCarthy. You know what I mean? His offense influenced. Like, essentially, that they've been running Kellen Moore's offense, which some would argue was just a souped-up version of the Jason Garrett-Scott Linehan offense for a while. Right, because when Scott Linehan was his OC and Jason Garrett was his head coach, they were kind of teaching him at the NFL level how they wanted him to run an offense. And he was bringing, and then when he became the offensive coordinator, he still had Jason Garrett somewhat hovering over him, 
<laughs> you know, critiquing and uh, advising. And then you bring in Mike McCarthy, still killing Moore's offense. So that's why it's important for Dak Prescott as well, right? Because Dak Prescott now, he this is the first time Dak Prescott won't be in a, essentially the same offense that he's been in his entire career. Early on, Scott Linehan offense, then Kellen Moore's offense, which was a variation of the Scott Linehan offense. And the Cowboys always promote from within, so it's just a freaky the familiar the familiarity is always there with Dak. It was always somebody who was around, and maybe that was a good thing for Dak's career. And now it's turned out to kind of put a stranglehold on his development. And that's why I think they need to go outside the box here, outside the the franchise anyway. Yeah, to go get whoever the OC is going to be for them. Yeah, and I, I think you know we talked about them talking to Jeff Nixon. I I think even if you get a Jeff Nixon, I'd love you to get a quarterback coach to have somebody that was just Dak's guy. Because Jeff Nixon is a running back guy, and I'm sure he deals with quarterbacks plenty, but yep. that is that may be more adversarial than the guy Dak can go to, and you may need to have a guy that you hire and go, hey, man, this is our quarterback's coach. This is Dak's guy. So mm. when Dak has a problem, he can call his guy who can take it up the ladder to the OC and to Mike McCarthy and have a little bit of buffer in there because we all know that quarterbacks can be uh, – Prima donnas at points. And temperamental. And that's yes. a great point you bring up, Patrick, because I was just reading an article about uh, Aaron Rodgers and how Aaron Rodgers loved Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah. He, he calls him Hack. Loved him. Even after, even today, on I think the Pat McAfee show, he was like, oh, I love me some Hack. Man, he's my guy. And, and I was say you almost need those guys around. Just like you said, they're almost advocates for the quarterback. I don't even know if they're going to be great quarterback coaches or mentors or gurus, but they ease the, the the kind of the anxiety and tension level of the quarterback because they are they're all prima donnas. The and the quarterback position is kind of built that's baked into the cake for quarterbacks to be that way because they are valued uh, higher than any other position and they are mm, eh, they are placed in a natural leadership position. That's what I said. They are placed in, a, so they have to. There's, there's all eyes are on that quarterback. So yeah, you almost need a, a counselor, a quarterback counselor, <laughs> and that's what Nathaniel Hackett was. Tom Clements, who's another game, another name that may come up for the Cowboys OC job. He's a longtime uh, OC, not OC, sorry, a quarterback coach for the Green Bay Packers. His name may come up too. Because they, they, you know, him and Mike McCarthy have a history. And Aaron Rodgers loved that guy. He actually left for a while. Aaron Rodgers said they should bring him back. Like he was, they, he was, they were advised by Aaron Rodgers to bring him back. So you do, you almost need those guys who are quarterback counselors. And to that point, Patrick, even going deeper to the Cowboys organization, you know who was that guy for the Cowboys? It was Kellen Moore. Yeah. He was Dak's guy forever. Yeah. And he just got too high up there. He almost became too much of Dak's guy. Yeah. And now we're not sure if that is hindering Dak's development. Because remember, I always tell the story that when Scott Linehan was the OC, Scott Linehan, during games, would never speak directly to Dak Prescott over the phone or the headset. He would relay a message to Kellen Moore, and Kellen Moore would relay that message to Dak Prescott and vice versa. Strange, I know. But it was basically what Patrick was telling you. He was the advocate and the counselor for Dak. And they're like, no, no, Dak would rather hear that from Kellen. Kellen knows how to phrase it to Dak. Scott Lennon, eh, you don't really know. You don't have the, the tact. You don't really have the, you know, the, the communication skills 
required to relay that message to Dak in a constructive form. It'll somehow be, you know, it'll be taken the wrong way or yeah. heard the wrong way. And that's exactly what Kelly Moore was. And then he became the OC instead of the quarterback coach. And I think the Cowboys had, ex- they had the same thing you just had in mind. You know what? Kelly Moore was just with Dak in the locker room. He was kind of a mentor to him anyway as the second-string quarterback, and then Dak was the third-string quarterback, and Dak became the starter after Kellen Moore got hurt. Let's just make him the quarterback coach. He's Dak's uh, confidant. Yeah. And that's exactly what they had in mind. And then he became the OC, and then I don't know if Dak had a confidant after that. I don't know if he had anybody. So maybe yeah. you structure that in or bake it in like yeah, you said. Yeah, and, and just to have something because Kellen Moore is gone now too, and if he's had that his whole career, it might be a rude shock for everyone to just be suddenly – you know, if it becomes more adversarial or, you know, if you like when you start a new job and someone's really trying to be your buddy and you don't know him. Yeah, it feels weird. It feels awkward. It feels forced. Yeah. And you're like, don't you're like I don't me, trust man. you because <laughs> you're trying so hard. Yeah. Feels forced. Something about this doesn't ring right. Agreed. So there could be something to yeah. just being like, hey, man, get somebody that he may know or he may have a relationship with or somebody that can come in and just be like, hey, man, you, you know, even if it's somebody who comes in is like, hey, man, we both need to like. My job relies on you doing well. Your job relies on me doing well. That relationship, more than it's the offensive. I just the offensive coordinator has more to worry about. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree with you. I love that you, you know, you want to put in more checks and balances. You want to put in a, I don't know, a more structured, in a more traditional hierarchy. The Cowboys are they are very non traditional when it comes to the hierarchy and the way they do business. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. I remember the story about Bryce Butler when he says he came in and he, he was coming from the Raiders and that Tony Romo, when he came in, was doing the install for, for the entire offense. Like, it wasn't Scott Linehan. That it was Tony Romo doing the install. And he said it blew his mind. Because he had said he had just came from, you know, Derek Carr was a young quarterback, and then Tony Romo, the quarterback's doing install, telling the wide receivers, talking about the blocking of the O-line, o- all this kind of stuff. Um, and I think for, hell, now I'm wondering what Scott Linehan was doing. He wasn't talking to Dak on the sideline. <laughs> he wasn't doing the installs. <laughs> so Linehan, hey, Scott Linehan, was, he, was pulling, he was pulling the old fast with old Jerry he was, there. He was cashing them checks. <laughs> those, are, those are real stories, though. But anyway, but getting back to it, um, I, I do think that the Cowboys would do better by yeah, get, getting someone who's an outsider, because, like I said, if Scott Linham was within the organization when they made him the OC, Kelly Moore was within the organization when they made him the OC, nothing, there's anything wrong with that. But if you want to truly, uh, you know, disrupt the model, um, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, then, yeah, go bring in an outsider. Bring in somebody who can, who can look at what you've done and look at all the different specifics of your – you know your 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 roster development, your scouting at, at different positions, and then see if they can bring in a fresher, a more progressive, a more uh, successful way of doing business or methodology, whatever it may be. So I think they should go outside. We don't know what they're doing right now. Jeff Nix is the only name that we've really heard. But you're going to hear names like Brian Schottenheimer, which I'm not totally against Brian Schottenheimer. We can dig in deeper when he actually does have an interview, but I guarantee he'll probably be one of the names that comes up. Um, Tom Clements talked about him. He'll come up. Zach Robinson, quarterback coach for the Rams. Uh, he'll come up. Uh, I guarantee you. One of the names that's come up for the Texans, let's talk about this. This will be a great transition. Uh, Bobby Slowick, who was the San Francisco coordinator's passing game coordinator, he has been um, 
at least approved um, and granted an interview for the offensive coordinator position with the Texans. And I thought he would actually be one of the names that comes up for the Cowboys. He still may be. He should be um, because everybody wants to kind of get in on that, that, that Shanahan system. What I will say is I like that. And even more so, maybe more so than the Eric Bieniemy uh, option that we mentioned earlier this week, that Eric Bieniemy could possibly be a name that D'Amico Ryan's should entertain as offensive coordinator. We don't know what it would take to lure him away from Kansas City, but it'd be nice to see if he could bring some of those conceptual ideas for the Andy Reid to Kansas City. We don't know from Kansas City to Houston, but. Another name to bring up is the passing game coordinator from the San Francisco 49ers, who we know D'Amico Ryans is very familiar with because he's worked with him, and Brian Slowick. And I think the reason that D'Amico Ryans may hasten this decision, especially when it comes to that specific name, is because he knows how his defense, how his defense combines and is compatible with that Shanahan system. And I think he wants the Shanahan system, and you could argue, oh man, you can pair his defense up. I, I, you know, with in terms of philosophically, you can pair it up with any offense. But I think he likes the way a team is constructed, and he likes the way a a a team can win with his defense and his defensive ideology, whatever it may be, and that Shanahan offense. And I think since he just came from it and watched it and watched how successful it could be, that's what he wants to bring as much as he can to replicate in Houston. That's why I think it's going to be Bobby Slowick. I I, I could believe that. I will say if they bring in Slowick to be the OC, then these guys really need to hire somebody with some experience to be a part of this organization because that is two guys in their 30s. It's fair. Running your franchise, which it's all good, you know, all good for having young guys in there, but neither one of them, Slowick's never been an OC, Slowick's never been a play caller. Mm. Yeah, no. And D'Amico right. Ryans has never been a head coach. Mm-mm. So you have one guy who's called defensive plays, and that is the maximum amount of experience in your organization, which could cause a lot of early problems of them trying to figure it out. So either whether it's a DC you bring in, DC assistant coach who is a more, you know, veteran guy that you go, hey man, we need somebody to help out. You have to bring in assist a head assistant coach somewhere because that is two young guys with not a lot of experience. Totally agree. Your assistant head coach should be, you know, a guy who's been a head coach before, even on multiple occasions. You know, name like um you know, Jim Caldwell. You know, someone like that. Yeah. Just someone who's been a head coach on multiple occasions. You need, you need a, I agree, you need an ex-head coach on that staff. I would say in multiple capacities. I would like to get one actually as a position coach or a coordinator. I'd also like one as my assistant head coach if I am D'Amico Ryan. Because so, you said there's a lot of pitfalls you can just easily avoid by just getting the advice, counsel of yeah. someone who's been there and made the mistake already. No, I'd like to have <laughs> I'd like to have one on offense and one on defense. Yeah, exactly. I like to say I want mul- I want multiple ex head coaches on the staff. I, I agree with you one hundred percent. And I, I would like one to be specifically the assistant head coach. That is sig- yeah. that you're Ken Siglietti. That you can just that you know what I mean, right next to you that you trust, that you can, you know, uh ask about 
whether it be personnel or whether it be about scheme or whether it be about administrative issues, somebody who has been there and done that. I don't care if they failed. I don't care if they're successful. I see somebody who's who's actually been there before yeah. in that position. I mean, when we talk, we've talked a bunch about multiple teams having clock management issues, and oh. it's just a deal. To have a coach that can walk over to you going into a two-minute drill and you're 225 and the guy's like, hey, just remember what we talked about on this or – Hey, remember that like just keep an eye out for this because all of a sudden this will they're gonna try and do this and mm-hmm. just just watch out. Great. Yeah. And something where you can have a guy who has that little bit more experience. I'm I'm not against Bobby Sulk, but at the same point, that is a really young staff. So you have to have somebody with because Casario is coming in from Belichick, who doesn't tell you how to coach. Did you see that report that said Bill Belichick was calling offensive plays this year? I saw that. That's that is the the amount of that. not allowing anybody to do anything on your staff that wow. he came from. So I don't think Casario necessarily knows how coaching works either. That is, I, I can't believe that. But it just show it shows you anyone can fall victim to extreme hubris. Yeah, and pride. That's the Delichek going. I don't give a damn if I lost Tom Brady. I don't care if I lost Josh McDaniels. I'm Bill Belichick. He's basically listened to enough of the praise of him, he believes he's a football god and that he can, that he can do no wrong. Yeah. And, and it's like, no, Bill, Bill, you need somebody who actually knows how to do that job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know I mean? like, That's that. that is crazy. Yeah, That's it always, insane. It always feels like that was like he was trying to figure out the offense and he had Matt Patricia and Joe Judge in his office. He's like, those idiots, I can do better than them. You're like, yeah, you need to hire somebody. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how you know you can do better. Hire someone who can do better. I can't. I heard. I saw their report. And I was like, man, that is sad. And even Bill Belichick has admitted basically that that was a mistake for him not to go with an offensive coach to actually call the plays. And now he brought in Bill O'Brien. Yeah, exactly. Back Bill O'Brien, someone he can trust. He trusts Bill O'Brien. Whether you like Bill O'Brien or not, Texans fans, uh, he, tr- he trusts Bill I, O'Brien. I hate him, but I hate the Patriots, so they go well <laughs> together. Uh, but I, I agree with you, man. they got to bring in an ex-head coach. That's got to be a big part of the staff. They also um, were interviewing uh, oh, Troy, uh, Troy Walters, the Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver coach uh, for the OC job, too. And I'm with I'm with Patrick on that. Eh, I'm, I'm not. I'd rather have someone with experience. Or if you're going to do it, bring in Bobby Slowick because um, he's a guy that you've worked with before, and you know that system specifically is compatible with your defensive system. And that would be something you want to do. Yeah, it, it seems like the Bengals might get ready this season. Uh, Luana Rumo. Well, Luana Rumo and uh, the offensive coordinator are both interviewing for the Cardinals position. Oh, and I believe I the offensive coordinator that. is also interviewing for the Colts. So mm. there is there's a lot that could be happening where people are going to come in there and now try and yeah. swoop out of that organization. No, that's a good point. Uh, honestly, if I was if I was Shano, I might break the bank to go get Lou Anarumo. Well, you can't interview him though. Uh, huh? You can't interview him because he can't move laterally unless they allow you to interview him. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. I I got. You, you, you try. Yeah, you I tried. You yeah, show your name. Be like, look. I allow all my guys to get poached. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. I got. I mean, you got. I mean, you can. Obviously, that's something you got to go through the age and everything. But honestly, if they would allow it, I would. I would ask them. Yeah. And you can always give him a promotion. You can make him the assistant head coach. I don't know if he is that. And then yeah, all, also- all it takes is a promotion of some kind. And if you give him a promotion of some kind, just give him another title. Yeah. That's and how then, you play the game. But then San Francisco may be going after Vic Fangio because apparently he never signed the contract with the, the Dolphins yet. Yeah, that is the rumor. But I guess a- he lives in Austin. He was like, I can't. I can't I get there right now. I don't understand how the Dolphins would screw that up and how you wouldn't make him. 
sign the I, deal I, immediately. Well, they never announced that he was the guy. It was reports that he was going to sign. It was reports so, that he was. You're right. That's a good point. And there yeah. was reports that Tom Brady was retiring. Well, he is now. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Uh, all right. We come back. We'll get into a little uh, discussion about Rojo, or unfortunate discussion about Rojo um, at the Senior Bowl. Also, it is National Signing Day, but it, right now it has no buzz at all. We'll explain why there's no buzz for National Signing Day here on the 40 Acres. And also more discussion about and reflections on the Big 12 schedule release. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104 the Horn. Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is the midweek movie music edition of Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. That's right. Uh, it don't stop just because we don't have power or we don't have uh, wireless. We don't have the internet. Now still, midweek movie music marches on. I love it. It's my man Patrick D.I.D. You're not doing a great job. Alright, um, I don't really know much about this song at all. So I got nothing. Got nothing. Got nothing at all. all right. It does sound, I mean, it's very... I mean, feels like this is from the uh, is this nineties. Yes. Okay. Yes. I got a nineties feel. That's all I got. It's a nineties vibe. I think I've heard that song before, and I want to say I've heard it on the movie. Strangely enough. Yeah. yeah I is mean, it, clearly. Do you, do you think it's a movie I've seen? Yes. I I don't know hundred percent, but I'd say fifty fifty. Have I have I talked about this movie before? Oh, I don't know. Possibly, but okay. it's not. It's not a definite. Right. It's not a definite that I've seen it. It's not a definite. Okay. All not right. a definite. All right. I want to say. I might have heard that on a random movie. All right, we'll wait for the next selection. Uh, midweek movie music from my man Patrick, uh, based on the soundtrack of a movie that he wants to feature. Uh, he plays selections, uh, songs from that soundtrack, and based on those songs, we're supposed to get clues and hints and guess uh, what the selection of midweek movie music is. So right now, I got nothing. We'll get back to that coming up in the uh, the second uh, the the second uh, break. Um, when we come back from that. And I don't have to worry about the Specs text line because Specs text line is not up right now. So I have to worry about you guys spoiling it for me. All right, everybody, please be safe on the roads if you are out there. Let's get to uh, some other unfortunate uh, sports uh, nuggets here that have, uh, relate close to home. Roshan Johnson is playing in the Senior Bowl. And apparently he was actually the first day of practice. He was already turning heads at Senior Bowl. I read several reports that he had had a great start to his Senior Bowl practices. And apparently on that first day of Senior Bowl practice, when he was turning heads, he also broke his hand. Uh, So he broke a bone at the start of practice um, and then worked through it for the rest of the day um, based on that broken bone. And I'm sure he showed a lot of toughness, which we all know toughness is one of those uh, immeasurable qualities um, that are are part of what makes Rojo so special. And he probably won't practice uh, for the rest of the week. And there's no way he's going to participate in the game. He'll still go through all the interviews and he'll still, you know, probably go through some of the, like the, 
the film study and stuff like that with the players and all the meetings with the coaches, that kind of stuff. Uh, but he will not be participating in practice. So, unfortunate news for Rojo. And Rojo's going to be a steal. I've, I've said this before. We don't talk about it enough, but I, and I always bring this stat up because it is a mind-blowing stat. There's no doubt Bijan Robinson was the best running back in college football probably for the last two years. I mean, he's just been that good, and he is a freak. He's going to be drafted in the first round. He'll be the first running back taken um, off the board. But if you look at, and by the way, he actually set a pro football focus record this past season, Bijan did, for forced missed tackles. So he had the most forced missed tackles uh, in the history of pro football focus this past season. But if you look at broken tackle rate, Rojo had the highest broken tackle rate in the country over the past two years. 85 broken tackles on 189 attempts. So he didn't get the ball as much, but he broke tackles at a higher rate than even B. John Robinson. And if you look at yards after contact per rush, Rojo averaged an absurd 4.28 yards after contact per rush. Bijan Robinson, 4.17 yards after contact per rush. It, I'm telling you, he, he's going to be a special back for whoever picks him up. I know Rojo is high on a lot of teams' uh, big board just because they view him as a value pick. Yes, Bijan is a freak, but you're going to get Rojo in, I don't know, fourth, fifth, round sixth round something like that and he potentially could end up getting you starting reps uh rotational reps at the running back position he's that good all right so uh, sorry about that with rojo and he had a birthday i believe the birthday was yesterday yeah uh you know highs and lows oh man yeah you know what if any i'm not worried if anybody can you know handle that type of adversity it would be a guy like rojo yeah my my guess is that he's going to be one of those guys that there's like 10 teams that all think they're going to get him later, and then there's going to be a point in the draft where they realize they get the call. It's like, oh, he's about to go, and then someone may trade up for him or so because he is. When you think of that dual back system that people love in the NFL now, he is built for that kind of running back. He is where it's just like, man, this guy. If you need four yards, I mean, there's not a ton of guys that you take ahead of him. Yeah, uh, right under six one, and he's like two hundred. 20 pounds, I'm between 220 and 25 pounds. Uh, so I, I know the NFL scouts going to love him, and he's got all the intangibles. Uh, anytime they ask, they ask about him here with Texas coaches, they'll all say the guy sacrifices, he, he's, uh, uh, he commits himself uh, to, to the task and to the program. Um, he's a guy that you know started out at quarterback, decided to uh, do whatever the coaches asked him to do, which was change the running back. And he's also one of those guys that has natural leadership ability. And probably because he played quarterback, natural leader. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, today, it, it, you can say, most Longhorn fans would say today that he was the best and the most prominent leader for Texas. And it wasn't the quarterbacks, even though that's a natural leadership position, it was Rojo. Rojo's the one that called the team meeting after they lost to Texas Tech. He was that guy. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, I'm even getting some, some texts that, you know, Rojo could be going a little earlier. Then the mid that 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 fourth round I was talking about maybe that it could sneak in. That's what I'm saying. I, third, I feel like now that he's not in the Senior Bowl and has the injury, it seems even more like someone's gonna be like, I can steal him, and then they're gonna get here. They're gonna get real high on him, and then hear that he's gonna go to somewhere else. Someone's gonna try and snoop. They got swoop in and get him. I'm with you. Um, and and he's a guy that's you know he's unselfish. He doesn't have an ego, so he'll play anything. 
You ask him to play fullback or special teams, he'll do that too. Um, he's one of those guys. So uh, I'm a big fan of Rojo. Who's not a big fan of Rojo? It's not going on the limb. Uh, all right, let's get to uh, National Signing Day. There is no big news for National Signing Day. Uh, all 24 players in Texas 2023 class sign uh, during early signing period. Now this is basically National Signing Day, the sequel or part two of every year. And there are only a few questions or a few uncertainties. Five-star tight end Deuce Robinson and four-star DB Warren Roberson um, are two unsigned prospects Texas is targeting. I believe Deuce Robinson deciding between Georgia and USC. And I believe, um, uh, oh, actually it says here that Robinson also is a star baseball player who is considering playing baseball at these other schools as well. So Texas, Georgia, USC, um, and even Alabama said jumps there, but he also wants to be a two-star prospect. I mean, sorry, two-sport uh, prospect playing baseball and football. And Texas also working on flipping Warren Roberson, uh, the report says, from TCU. Uh, the Longhorns are getting a lot of momentum, apparently. He took a visit to Texas this past weekend, and Roberson would be uh, one of the uh, defensive backs they'd bring in in that 2023 class if he decided to flip uh, Deuce Robinson is uncommitted to anyone, and there is a belief that he may decide to delay his commitment even further, and we haven't heard anything today, and if anything breaks or I get anything on my Twitter timeline, I will be sure to relay that information. All right, uh, the other news coming uh, from the 40 Acres has to do with the schedule release in the Big 12. A lot of Lowhorn fans out there are feeling real good about the schedule release, as well they should feel good about it. I went back and looked at it last night a little bit more after we talked about it yesterday. And, yeah, I did confirm only Kansas and Texas have the luxury of not having to worry about a, a an opponent on their schedule <clears throat> playing them with an extra week to prepare. So they don't have to worry about an opponent playing them after a bye week. Kansas and Texas, which that's only two teams have that luxury, and that's big time. That means a team could, you know, game game plan for you for two weeks. Um, They're probably going to be a lot healthier than you are going into that game, Um, depending on if it's a road game or, uh, you know, a home game. That also is a big factor. So there are a lot of things that could be working against Texas. That is not one of them. Also, uh, Texas playing U of H is, to me, I think it's pretty cool. I played U of H a lot when I was was at Texas. I played U of H, I think, three times, if I'm not mistaken. We beat them all three times. We played them in 2001, uh, and so we played them. Um, Mac Brown wanted to try to get a foothold in the, in the city of Houston. Because at the time, I tell people this all the time, they don't believe me. When I was coming up in H-Town in 99 when I committed to the University of Texas, you could argue it was as much an Aggie town as it was a Longhorn town. I grew up in that place, I'm telling you. There was a lot of people. I was the first one. Houston Lamar, which has had tons of Longhorn since. I mean, Anthony Cook and Deshaun Jameson and, you know, Brian Arakpo. I mean, it goes John Bonney. It goes on and on. I mean, there have been a ton of Longhorns that came from my high school since I committed to Texas. I was the first. And my, my high school was producing a ton of really good athletes. Always has. I was the first. I'm telling you, it was as much an Aggie town as it was a Longhorn town. You could split it right down the damn middle. And Mac Brown decided... Nope, that can't be the case. I must own the majority share of Houston. And he did. 
came over and took it over. And part of that was, I think he wanted, he's like, yeah, you know, it's getting there, so played U of H, that's good. It helped him. Now, that was more serendipitous than anything because obviously Mac didn't negotiate the schedules, so it just helped out Mac, but it was a big part of Mac being able to, to have more of an influence in the city of Houston. And trust me, I, I mean, a lot of those early years, those early recruiting classes for Mac were built from, you know, that, that connection. Uh, to to Houston and to H Town, so and, and honestly, Sark knows that too. Sark knows he's got to have. I don't know if you can do a majority, you know, kind of share of those cities, but he knows he's got to have a a a footprint in Houston, in Dallas, DFW area, Greater Houston area, um, and and here in Central Texas. That's a big part of why they decided uh, to bring in uh, the LBJ head coach, um, you know, uh, Coach Finner as their director of high school relations. You at Texas, you got to be able to dominate those three places. Um, there's a lot of other places producing talent in the state, but those three are the three hotbeds. Um, and you know, I think having that game kind of is a hearkening back. Uh, for me, at least, when Texas used to play U of H um, and played them with a little bit more um, frequency. Now that's never happened because the Los Dodds didn't like the way U of H treated the fans uh, one year and they went down there and thought that they allowed you know, Texas fans to be uh, in harm's way because of some makeshift stands they set up. It's a long story, and if you haven't heard it, I'm sure you can Google it and find it on some message board. But anyway, but I digress. Good that Texas is playing U of H. Uh, but also, if you look at their the road, basically the home and neutral site games for Texas and the road games, basically they play five road games and only two are true road games, I guess is to say, and only true two of those are outside the state. So that's phenomenal. Basically, you out you have to leave the state of Texas in your schedule twice, Bama and Iowa State. So yeah. Two times you have to leave the and state. And you picked one of those. You yeah, picked Alabama. That's true. Good point. So yeah. the Big, the Big 12, Twelve schedule only right. gave yeah. you that. Yeah. Which we all thought the Big Twelve schedule was going to come out and be very negative to Texas and Oklahoma. But hey, I mean, hey, power of the Big Twelve. It feels like CDC sent this suggested schedule in and they just sent the wrong one back out. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I don't know how Texas got such a favorable schedule. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, I would say it just doesn't really track with the conspiracy theories. The yeah. Conspiracy theories are that the Big Twelve is out to get Texas. Because it's you know it doesn't like Texas and Oklahoma and them going behind the back of leadership to leave the conference. This does not track with the conspiracy theory. Well, I will say they though, did Texas a lot of favors on this schedule. You know what? Maybe this is the new regime of the Big Twelve that they they don't have the animosity because we didn't go around Brett Yarmark's back. That's true. That's a great point. So That's there may fair. the animosity may be great a little point. bit less within the Big Twelve. Now, all the other schools still don't like Texas and Oklahoma. That's a good point, though. But Brett maybe, maybe Brett Moore, your mark's like, yeah, why would we screw them over? They're one of our biggest money makers. Let's get all the money we can out of them. Yeah. I mean, hey, you know what? I, I may need a Texas favor in the future. I ain't, yeah. I mean, I'm not burning well, no bridges. And, and you're like, look, <laughs> for they, spite. Man, they got game day twice last year and were, they played in the Alamo Bowl. Mm-hmm. Like, we should we should really milk them because we'll make more money as the Big 12 if we use them. Yeah. Just a smart way to do it. It's just the Big Twelve historically not always the smartest. No, I'm with you, but I I'm with you. I like maybe you're right. I think you're right. Your your conspiracy theory is maybe not a conspiracy at all. It just makes too much sense that Brett Yarmark wants to at this point build relationships. He's not interested in coming in and destroying relationships yeah. at all. He's like, no, no, Texas. You know, for me as a, they may not want to do the Big Twelve favors, but they may do me a favor. 
because uh, I'm a new relationship to Texas, yeah. and Texas is all about power brokers. He is certainly and, that. And they did absolutely nothing to me. Exactly. You <laughs> did it to Bowlesby. To Bowles, oh, Bowlesby. You did it to Bowlesby. He's gone. He is gone. So now it's, yeah, so I mean, it does make sense that there's less animosity in the office if the the main boss is not the guy who got screwed over in it. Um, a couple of other kind of random notes about the schedule. OU, uh, they ended up having to play three of the four new members. They do dodge some Big 12 uh, contenders they probably are thankful for. They do have, don't have to play, uh, was it K-State? So they get to dodge them too. Um, so that's pretty good. Um, they play the new members, but they don't have to play K-State. They don't have to play uh, Tech either. That's pretty good. I mean, I don't know how they dodged that. And they dodged Baylor. That's pretty good if you're Oklahoma. You ain't got to play Baylor. Yeah. You ain't got to play Tech. You ain't got to play K-State. You got to play the new members. And maybe that's something that is more of a challenge because you don't know much about them already. But uh, if you're Oklahoma, I would imagine that's a win for you. And uh, you get a bye after Texas, too. I noticed that. That both Texas and Oklahoma have buys after the Texas OU game. Um, oh, uh, Baylor has eight home games. That's freaky. I don't know how that worked out. Um, and Oklahoma State and West Virginia have to play all the newcomers. They, they end up playing all the newcomers. TCU's final four games, tough, at Tech, Texas, Baylor, and at Oklahoma. That is a hell of a stretch for your final games. And Iowa State, four of their final six games are on the road. So they got done a little bit dirty there. Uh, Kansas and Tech um, avoid back-to-back road games. So Kansas, get, they did Kansas a lot of favors. They avoid back-to-back road games, and Kansas does not have to worry about their opponent um, having an extra week to prepare for them because they don't. Texas and Kansas have the luxury of not having an opponent play them off of a bye. All right. So the random observations I got about the Big 12 schedule. We'll come back. We'll get into the flex on the other side, right here on Ball Don't Lie, 1499. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. Okay, this is really obvious. It's got to be. Oh, what movie is this from? Don't worry, you're good on the next one. This is a midweek movie music, by the way, if you don't know. Uh, my man Patrick plays sounds, uh, sorry, songs uh, from the soundtrack of a movie that he wants to feature for midweek movie music. And based on those selections, um, we're supposed to be able to guess exactly what the um, featured movie is for midweek movie music. Um, man. We is haven't it, got a text from Hard. Is it yet, Groundhog so Day? Yeah, there yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. I knew I was like, I, I was like, I literally remember. Okay, <laughs> so I remember the other one then too. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I, I was s- like, I'm pretty sure you've seen it, but yes. we know tomorrow is Groundhog's Day. Okay, well done. I've seen that movie a bunch, a okay. ton. So this, I figured you had. That's why this one, okay. I got it pretty easily. Okay. I probably could have, if I really tried, gotten it during the last one. Because I said I, I knew I've seen a movie with that song in yeah. it. 
Great job, Patrick. All right. So Groundhog Day, that is the featured movie for Midweek Movie Music. I did tomorrow, not... we are waiting to see if we see if it sees its shadow or not. That is tomorrow. Okay. Now, if it sees its shadow, that means spring is coming? No. Or that means spring, we have more winter. Which one is it? Because I, I, I think confused. if it sees its shadow, then that means... Does that mean more winter? I think that, that means more winter. So so we don't want it to see its shadow. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay, we're, we're rooting against him seeing his shadow. Yeah. Okay. I think. Right. I'll, no, look I, exactly. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. I'm not sure either. Because <laughs> down south, we talk about Groundhog Day, but nobody actually like, no. celebrates Groundhog Day. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about getting past this damn weather. So yes, I whatever means we're going to get spring sooner rather than later, that's what I'm rooting for as it relates to the Groundhog. Uh, was, is it, uh, was it Poxitani Phil? Puxatawney Phil, Puxatawney yes. Phil. Like, I love that movie. Groundhog Day is a fantastic movie. It's great. Well done. Now, you know what? I might watch Groundhog Day this week sometime. Well, I mean, you watch it tomorrow. I, I guess I'll it's Groundhog Day. It'll definitely be on It'll tomorrow. It'll be on tomorrow. <laughs> It'll be on tomorrow. Uh, all right, the Flex is on every damn day. But actually, the Flex is on today. Oh, the Flex show, the actual Flex show. Uh, you can actually catch Wednesday night's uh, FLX ATX right here. And we're having it tonight. Tonight, that's right, from 7 to 8, right after we're done, um, my man um, Cameron and Zach Lucero are going to come down, and they're going to have your flex, so you want to tune in for flex. Wednesday night flex has become a uh, tradition for us, so we're going to make sure you can tune in every Wednesday for that. Uh, your flex update on the local sports, you all know, they're, they're canceled, all right? All your sports are canceled. Um, also, go check out flxatx.com, and you can get updated and get more details about the Texas Football Showcase. Go to Texas Football showcase.com uh, man anthony williams uh, doing a great job uh, of being able to allow people to get a platform to showcase their ability hopefully uh, that means that uh, they can get the chance to play football at a higher level so if you're an unsigned senior or if you're a high school football underclassman juco and transfer portal player and you just want to get some verified times down talking about laser electronic times or you just want to get some eyes on you from college scouts around the country uh, the college uh, the texas football show Showcase is how you do that. TexasFootballShowcase.com or go to FLXATX.com. And there's a pamphlet up there that gives you a lot of details as to uh, how you can participate in the showcase. It's going to be February 5th at Dale Valley's indoor facility. All right, we'll come right back. We'll get into, uh, oh, got a lot of NFL news notes and nuggets to get to. Okay, so there is a report about Sean Payton's salary. That's out there. We'll get to that and talk about where that puts him in the the hierarchy of highest paid NFL head coaches and also Tom Brady's retirement. Yes, the GOAT. Hanging it up. It's official, official. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie. I want to find out the horn.